presence of God transforms lives and heals hearts. Let's learn today truths on how we can access His presence and release heaven into our daily lives. Welcome to Manifest His Presence with your host, Dr. Candace Smithyman. Hello, this is Pastor Adam again, and we have another message today that I believe will be uh, encouraging uh, and practical. And so uh, join me as we go to the Lord in prayer before we get into this. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you, you that you have us here, and we're here for a reason. And we are praying, coming to you and asking for that to be revealed to us. And we thank you for this opportunity that it may be alive in what we're going to hear. And so we are looking to have eyes to see and ears to hear right now. We thank you in the mighty and matchless name of Yeshua Yamashek, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Now I titled this today, Flies on Your Head. Yeah, that might be a little awkward or weird to think about. I mean, just, just process. Have you ever been frustrated with those, you know, flies buzzing around your head? You know, we'll swat at them, we swipe at them, and frankly, they're irritating. Well, today I want to look into the, that natural kind of thing about the flies that we see in our homes um, and tie it into a spiritual understanding or reveal a spiritual understanding or explain that a little bit so that we can see that better than maybe we ever have. So. Let's go to the word right away. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, Scripture says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a foul odor. Now, at, at the very beginning of this Scripture is, is the theme of what we're going to talk about today. And I think one of the things we got to do before we get going into this is we need to define what an apothecary is. Now, an apothecary is basically uh, the priest that specialized, he was assigned to make the holy anointing oil that uh, was given with the instructions from God to Moses in Exodus chapter 30, verse 25. Now there are, what's listed you'll find in Exodus 30, 25 are specific directions from God uh, to, to Moses describing the uh, oil, the anointing oil, and it, it, there'd be spices, oils, and different amounts for this anointing oil formula, if you will. I mean, very specific instructions on where to put this anointing oil and who was to receive the anointing oil. And it's significant because those that receive this anointing oil would be separated to... Uh, receive the thoughts, visions, dreams, purposes of God. This, this was what this initially was for. So what would happen is they would, these priests would take this pure virgin olive oil and mix it with spices, and it would make a sweet fragrance. Now, what's interesting is this sweet fragrance, it was such a sweet fragrance that women in the day, that day, did not wear perfume around the Temple of Solomon because the anointing oil had such a sweet-smelling aroma that there was no need for perfume because of the 
what this represents is the very presence of God. All right. So, you know, I don't want to get too far away from what we started with. I mean, you know, we said these dead flies in the oil that sends forth a stinking smell in that Ecclesiastes scripture we started with. So that's got to stay. We got to keep focused on that. I don't want to get down too far down different rabbit holes here. Now, in order to understand this, we have to understand the symbolism of what a fly represents spiritually. And I want to share some background information on that to help clarify that for us, to answer that question. So in, in the book of Matthew, for instance, in chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus is talking and he's referencing Beelzebub. And then in verse uh, chapter 12 of Matthew, verses 24 and 27, the Pharisees and Jesus are going back and forth and mention the name Beelzebub. So let's talk a little bit about Beelzebub. What does that name mean? Well, Baal-zebub was the form of the name Baal. And Baal, under the aspect of worship, was viewed as the producer of flies and therefore able to control this pest that was so common in our world. Like 1 Kings chapter 16 explains this a little bit more. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 30 through 33. Here's what the Bible says. And Ahab, son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all before him as if it had been a light thing for Ahab to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, he took for a wife Jezebel, daughter of Ephbaal, king of the Sidonians, and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, and Ahab made an Asherah, which is an idolatrous symbol of the goddess Asherah. Ahab Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. Okay. So, like if you're keeping score on the good-bad scale, King Ahab is doing very bad. You do not want to follow the example of King Ahab. You do the complete opposite. You know, if if your purpose is to please God and you're reading about Ahab, Do the opposite, all right? Right, Yahweh, the God of Israel, continually condemned the worship of Baal. And the Lord sent his prophets to warn the people of this idolatry of worshiping Baal. During the period of the kings of Israel, Baal worship was very prevalent and was even commanded by these kings. I mean, if you're not... If you're like not clear about this or you've never read this, you need to, I want to encourage you. It's in the Old Testament. Read first and second Kings. Read first and second Chronicles. You know, you'll, you know, you'll get so much of what you'll see how bad a lot of these kings of Israel, if the northern and the southern kingdom operated. And why did this happen? Because Queen Jezebel, the Phoenician wife of King Ahab, she had 450 prophets of Baal as her court counselors. In other words, she, all she had, she was her whole council board of the queen was filled with false prophets. In other words, what you could claim about them, I think it's very easy to see this, is they were her yes men. 
They did whatever she said, because if they didn't do what she said, she killed them. Now, Elijah, if you know about the prophet Elijah, he challenged these false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. That's the very famous battle. You can read all about that in 1 Kings chapter 18. Many of you probably know that. But if you don't, that's where that's located. And at the outcome, you see Elijah's God, the God that we believe in, that Christians believe in, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, proved to be the true God in that battle. But what was going on during this time period is Baal, Baal worship was a powerful attraction to the people of Israel and eventually led, led to their destruction and exile. The, the northern kingdom of Israel wanted idolatry and the Lord gave them over to Assyria. The southern kingdom of Judah, they wanted idolatry and the Lord gave them over to Babylon. Both lands are filled to the brink with idolatry. And Baal was the principality that controlled that era, was the false god to worship. And there's another reference to this that we, there's a theme in the Bible about uh, referencing the strong man. You know, in, in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 6, there's this battle we are told that are, is about principalities and powers. You know, about 50, 60 years ago, a, a, a singer named Bob Dylan wrote a song and he wrote, and some of the lyrics go like this, you're going to have to serve somebody, he said. It, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, that's been this case always since the beginning. That's the case for everybody living on planet Earth. We got to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? And there's only two choices. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or the enemy of the God of Israel, Israel and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's our adversary, the deceiver, the tempter, the liar. Goes by the, the, the title, the Satan. He's the true leader of Baal worship. Now, Jesus, again, in the New Testament, he was teaching us that before we go and plunder, right, and get all the stuff, we have to bind the strong man. That was in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is talking or referencing that. Okay, so now I, I say all that. We got to get back to this fly, the flies in the ointment concept. See, flies, uh, you know, it's obvious. We don't want to miss this, but they're in the air. And, and are you aware that one of the names of the Satan is the prince of the air? And in this spiritual connotation, flies uh, represent evil thoughts, evil plans, and evil desires. So, so when those flies actually land in the pure anointing oil, right, the apothecary, the anointing oil in the temple, what happens is when a fly gets in that kind of oil, it dies. And, and so that that was originally supposed to be holy and sacred and consecrated, the anointing oil, sweet-smelling anointing oil, is now, because of these flies that die in it, it will smell bad. Now, that's no different for us today because you and I need to understand, where does the temple reside now? In us. We're the temple. So, so how does this apply to you and me? This refers and is re applying to the things that we see, we hear, we think, we feel, we say. See, 
You and I are the temple of God. We're separated and set apart. And those pesky flies come to us. How and what what is what what do they bring? They bring shame, they bring guilt, they bring fear, they bring hate, they bring doubt, they bring unbelief. That's what the true prince of the air, right? The, the Satan. He tries to do to us to prevent us from living in the very fullness of what the shed blood of Jesus did for us. Jesus says, I come to bring you life and life more abundantly. The only way the Satan can attack us is through our mind. If we allow him, if that door is open through the eye gate, the ear gate, right? If we, if we live so emotionally, we don't think, or if we want to think bad thoughts, let me, let me give us a couple of references, just a couple in the Bible, in the scriptures to, to show this point. The Bible te- tells us that the covenant God made with Abraham that's recorded in Genesis 15, okay, that covenant that Abraham, each, each person, each party in a covenant has an assignment. Well, in, in Genesis 15, Abram's, at, at that time, his name's still Abram. Not Abraham, but Abram, his job was to keep the birds away from the sacrifices. Remember, he was putting halves of, of, of animals. He was to cut in half and make like a, a little walkway, a covenant that he was going to walk through and meet God. So he's, Abram's assignment after he makes this is to keep the birds away from the sacrifice. Or how about this example? Jesus shares this parable of the four soils right? Different types of soil. And one type of soil, Jesus tells us that the birds come to steal the seed after it was planted. And that evil comes to snatch away what was sown into our hearts. Now, what's going on in these two connotations is this is a spiritual reference. So I don't want you to like walk away from hearing this and go on that Adam is saying that birds are evil. But in this case, what you got to get so you understand it spiritually that there are these, the birds in this, both of these examples are representations used in scripture, just like the flies represent evil spirits. Now back to Beelzebub. One of the meanings of Beelzebub means he's the Lord of the flies. Now, in doing some research, I found something very interesting about this anointing oil at the Temple of Solomon, which was the first temple built. There was, according to uh, the research I found, a family that was appointed by the Sanhedrin to specifically deal with the incense used at the golden altar. They were the ones like assigned to make this formula that was given in Exodus. Now, the Temple Institute in Jerusalem is where I got this information, okay? This Temple Institute in Jerusalem confirms that 11 different spices are used, was used in this incense from the temple. Now, there, when you read the Bible, there's several of these uh, spices mentioned, but those not mentioned were handed down by what is called the oral tradition of the Jews. Now, this family had a secret herb which caused smoke to rise straight up. The smoke never went to the right or the left or just sat right there. It, it ascended and it would make like just like a, a ladder just going straight up. As, as the right, so when the priests would get the coals during uh, or burn that were burning from the the brass altar, 
they would mix them with the incense and that's when the incense would begin to burn. And the smoke made from that, the incense going on the coals when it started to burn would go up before God, just like Psalm 141.2 says, our prayers go up like incense before God. Now, this family making the incense, they were eventually replaced by another family. But this original family never told the, the, the new family assigned to do this about that additional secret herb that would make the incense go straight up. So when the priests then would begin to burn the incense, they get the coal from the brazen altar and, and they began to burn the incense that the new family had made, that incense would not go straight up. In fact, it went all around in the, in the room and it wasn't going straight up like before. And so they didn't, nobody liked that now. They're like, wait, what's going on? So what was done according to Jewish history now is they, they went back to that original family to, and, and asked them, can you please come back and do the incense again? And, and the family agreed, but only if they'd get paid double now. <laughs> Just think about that. The capitalists back then. So eventually it got around, they were asked, well, why didn't you tell that little herb secret, right? To that new family to make the incense go straight up. Here's what I found was their, their response. This is what's been passed down over the centuries. They said, our fathers passed on a tradition to us that one day the holy temple is gonna be destroyed. And we did not want to teach our secret so that it wouldn't fall into the wrong hands, the hands of idolaters. We didn't want idolaters to know how to make this incense go straight up to God. And here's another thing that this family apparently said. None of the women in their family was ever to put on perfume. <laughs> See, when one of them would marry outside the family, they made an agreement that the, the girl would never wear perfume at all because they didn't want anyone suspecting that they used the secret incense formula for their own personal use. Wow, I mean, I think that's just, I know it's like a little bit of offshoot, a little rabbit hole, but I think that's pretty interesting. And so what I'm getting at to, to what the flies in the oil and the bad smell is talking about, you know, we're gonna get to that, but I wanna, I, I, I know we're gonna get to that, but I, I wanna finish this thought. Everything, folks, that was done in the tabernacle that Moses built, okay, the first tabernacle, and then the, the glorious temple that Solomon constructed was a picture, folks, of something that would be a part of the New Testament believer's life so we can take proper care of the temple today. The, now, remember, what is the temple today? Right? These are all foreshadows in the old because the new is a better covenant with better promises. These things aren't done and we're to forget about them. We're to glean from them because it's helping us today. They're all tied in. We can't discard the Old Testament. Remember, the old is the new contained and the new is the old explained. That's why I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. It is critical for Christians to understand the roots of Christianity, which means you've got to understand the Hebrews and what they initially were instructed by God. See, folks, when the pattern is right, the glory of God is there. And I'm not 
you know, some of you, it, it could bother you. You might think this is a little legalistic. But folks, these are the mysteries and the secrets and the revelations that the priest, prophet, and kings need to understand. Remember, you and I, according to scripture, we're a royal priesthood of, of Yahweh, of the God of creation. We are the kings and the priests in the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110, verse 4 says that. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 17 and 21 says this. You and I, we need our prayers going straight up to God and not being scattered because we're lacking knowledge. Scripture says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Our faith should be arising as, as we're hearing this right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so pressing on now to this anointing oil. It's just made to anoint the priest, prophet, and king. So in the scriptures, in the Bible, sheep is a representation of a Christian. We're called sheep. A believer who follows the shepherd. Who's the shepherd? Jesus. Now, I know for some of you that's super obvious, but I'm just needing to state the obvious so we're all on the same page. So remember, we began right at the start today with Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse one, regarding flies getting in the anointing oil and sending forth a stinking smell. The flies represent the thoughts and attacks that come into our minds and influence us to pull away from the anointing on our lives or pull us away from our prayer life or pull us away from reading the word of God, which in turn pulls us away from the presence of God. So I wanna use something right now in the natural and apply it to the spiritual. And I think many of you are going to recognize uh, this scripture. It's Psalm 23, verses 1 through 5. Very famous, right? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesakes. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are, my, are, are with me, Lord. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. All right. So that last part in verse five there, you anoint my head with oil is where I'm, I'm leading us to. That's, I was leading up to this whole thing right here, right now. In the natural, why oh why would a shepherd rub oil in the head of a sheep? I'm a farm kid. I know this. We used to do this with our animals. Here's the deal. Because flies are all over the place, especially around farm animals, because specifically because flies hang around dung. They hang around poop. Wherever the crap is, that's where flies are. And flies do something very significant to sheep. Maybe you didn't know this, but flies land on a sheep's head and lay their eggs in the sheep head. That's where they put their eggs, in sheep. Now, a sheep, pretty obvious, they don't have hands like we do to scratch. So what do sheep do if they have an itch on their head? Head. You know what they do? They butt heads with other sheep because they're agitated in their own minds. Because of those fly eggs, they itch, right? Well, okay, if, if Christians are referred to as sheep, Let's, let's talk about this. Ever heard the expression, people begin to butt heads? Which means what? They have disagreements. Something's agitating them in their minds. 
I, I, I'm sure right now some of you are going, oh my gosh, whoa. I mean, I process this. You know, I was a pastor for 15 years of a congregation, right? Well, gosh, I wonder if this kind of butting of heads ever happens in a church setting. I mean, people that are in peace with each other are not going to be in conflict with each other, right? But if sheep are butting heads, it's possible they could become injured. And if you headbutt long enough or severe enough, gosh, I wonder if that's ever happened. I'm chuckling inside. I'm being sarcastic because it happens all the time. And, and in church, in a church setting, because the church is filled with people, if you don't resolve disagreements, you, be, you can become injured if you don't meet and resolve issues, if you don't Say, I'm sorry if you don't forgive people. So what would go on in a farm setting or what the shepherd would do if, to help his sheep, he would take some oil and, 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 a, and mix it together with like a, another substance and, and, and he would apply this to the head of the sheep so it would stay there and not run down. So he'd put a little like tar-like substance, a little thicker, so that it would stay when he applied it to the sheep's head. Just like the apothecary we started with would mix with the anointing oil formula to put on the priest, prophet, and king. Now, the result of this is when you do this for a sheep, the flies hate that mixture. So they wouldn't land in the sheep head there and couldn't lay their eggs there because they wouldn't stay there. They didn't like it. But let's not, okay, so hey, hallelujah, that's pretty cool, but let's not miss the spiritual application of what we're talking about. Now that psalm we read was written by David, King David, okay? So when he says, you anoint my head with oil, it's not just pouring oil, olive oil, like we talk about on the head of a sheep. It's, it's like it's the processing this of this compound mixture that would relieve a sheep and kill off those eggs and turn the flies off from coming and landing on their head and trying to lay more eggs. Now, the, the olive oil in, in Israel, where right, the olive trees, where the olive oil comes from, they have leaves on them. So, you know, I'm digging into this some more. And there's a show I'm watching about Israel. I think it was back, I, I can't remember, it was like, gosh, probably 2008 or nine. And on that show, they said something that the olive tree always has leaves on it because the olive tree leaf has a substance in it that is bitter. So the leaves can't be taken out by insects. Well, what, what I take from that is Christians, believers, need to have an anointing in their life that rises up against the eggs of the flies being, being you know, laid. And, and so, okay, let, let's just be more practical. What are those fly eggs we need to rise up against? Well, I'm telling you, it's an evil thought, an evil emotion, an evil desire. See, what happens is these evil thoughts will lay dormant and they might appear to be harmless to us. For instance, let me get real practical. You could be watching something on TV or in a movie, right? That isn't right. That isn't holy. That isn't righteous. And you may have some conviction while watching it. But what happens is those eggs will kind of just lay there in our mind. And what happens is the eggs multiply. And then it's just like flies start to buzz around our head and distract us from being able to hear the voice of the Lord. And when those eggs die, when those flies die, it's like they land in our anointing and make it smell bad. Because our anointing initially smells good. 
The anointing, which is consecrated, right? The anointing, which causes the incense to run straight up into heaven, all of a sudden smells like dead flies and doesn't ascend, but it lingers around. And here's a fact. Don't you know that dead flies attract more flies? <laughs> right? So the longer we allow some evil thought to stay in our mind without getting help, it will attract more of those evil thoughts and it will multiply and then it becomes a stronghold and a principality in our lives unless we get rid of it and acknowledge it. Folks, flesh begets flesh. Evil thoughts beget evil thoughts. Or on the flip side, holy thoughts beget more holy thoughts. Folks, the word of God will produce after itself, but so does evil produce after itself. I hope I'm making the point. This is back to, you speak life or death. Speak blessings or cursings. The Bible tells us that salt can lose its saltiness and light can become dim. Therefore, what that implies, anointing can become stale and stinking. And what I'm getting at too is the anointing oil can become stale. You want to know why? Because you're never using your gifts. Oh, Lord, it gets stale and if it just sits there. We need fresh oil. And we need, how does that mean? That means you need to continue to empty out your gifts and get filled back up. Yes, you may get tired in the natural, but you need to get tired. You need to have a good day's work so then you can get filled back up. Folks, we can have an anointing from God, but still choose to get caught up in the lust of our eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of self. And that not only chokes the word of God, it also chokes the anointing on us. For some of us that have been around the world a while, what I'm saying is we at times allow ourselves to settle in the joy of anointing we felt in our past, okay? We've got to maintain the joy which comes through the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm getting at too? Man, I used to get just so pumped up every time we'd have a service. There's nothing like coming into a church service and if you've been down and out, it's as if God's Spirit just touches us or quickens us. At least that was my experience. Man, I would just, it didn't matter what was going on. I'd be like, man, this is great. We're worshiping God. Look at these people coming together, worshiping God. Want to hear the word of God, sing songs in the word to, to embrace and thank the Lord. It's, it's something like that. It's refreshing and it gets those flies eggs off of our heads. You know, I don't want us to forget Psalm 23, 5, right? You will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Folks, it's the table. Listen, the practicality of this. It's the table of the Lord. It's the communion table is one way to experience this. Folks, when we have communion, don't miss the opportunity to anoint our heads with oil. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I consume you and you consume me. Your blood sanctifies me. And Father, I ask you to kill those fly eggs off my head. Give me fresh thoughts and an anointing to believe for good and not for bad. Not to be critical, but sanctified for success and come and occupy my mind, Lord, to do your will. I want to end with this from the word of God in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Here it is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for joining Dr. Candice for today's podcast. For more resources and weekly prophetic words direct in your email box, 
go to our website at www.candacesmithyman.com, Facebook at Candace Smithyman, or Instagram at Candace Smithyman. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel.